So if you've been around Crossroads, you know that our desire here as a church, really we call it our vision, is to uh, help people or really to serve people toward and connect people to Jesus. And the way that we go about doing that is by really expanding our kingdom impact in communities around us, the local community, as well as global communities around the world, as we really seek to become a church that is multi-generational, multi-ethnic, making disciples of the next generation. That is what we are about here at Crossroads Church. And if you've been around for the last several years, uh, you've heard that statement probably more times than maybe you could even count uh, as, we've, as we've repeated it, as we've said that. So all the way back in 2020, when we put that vision statement together, our amazing mission team that is really in charge of overseeing all the different programs and missionaries that we do around the world, our mission team started to ask the question, what does that look like for us? What does it mean for us to make disciples of the next generation globally? What does that look like? How can, how can the church be a part of that? And that question led us into a partnership with Compassion International. Compassion International is a, is a Christian organization um, that really is bent on making sure that kids, doing whatever they kid, can do to bring kids out of poverty, and at the same time, helping them live their lives in such a way that their story, that they can see their story in the midst of really God's glory. And so out of those conversations and discussions, we decided to partner with Compassion in a country called Guatemala. And there in Guatemala, we chose a little village called Mazatenango to really focus our efforts there. And over the last three years of walking with Compassion, this church, this is a big deal. You can, you can clap in a moment, all right? 8.30, they were like, should we clap, should we not? You can clap anytime you want today, all right? All right, just that's on the table. So through this church, through individuals and families in this church, uh, we sponsor over 150 kids in Mazatenango, uh, Guatemala. This is where you clap. Yep, good, good job. In fact, we've sponsored all the kids in the area of Mazatenango. And so, yeah, so you can, you can give up. Now, because of your generosity, we have been able to live out our vision of making disciples of the next generation in countries all over the world, and specifically in Guatemala. And so earlier this year, Compassion came to me and said, hey, we have an opportunity that you might be interested in. A hundred miles northeast of Mazatenango, there's a community there that we would like to launch a church and a community center, a Compassion Center there, and begin helping the kids who are living in poverty in that area. Now, just so that you know, when we're talking about poverty, we're talking about families who live off less than $1.50 a day. That's the definition of poverty of these kids. And they said, would you be interested in being a partner church in supporting this, raising money to bring this off the ground? So I brought it to church council. I went to our missions team. Everybody thought it was a good idea. And so in the spring of last year, I had the opportunity to go on a trip with Compassion International to really kind of investigate and see what was going on. And on that trip... I was very much moved because for the first time I got to really see, I mean, my, my wife and I, we have been Compassion sponsors for years and years, but for the first time I was really able to see the work of Compassion with my own eyes. I was able to see what they were accomplishing and, and the, the way that they were helping these families, really entire families that were living in poverty uh, with education and support and medicine and food and that they were sharing the gospel of Jesus in and throughout all of this. And I was really moved in that. Now, while I was on that trip, I met a, uh, a guy 
whose name is Jonathan Almonte. And Jonathan Almonte is the manager of supported, uh, supporter engagement for the Dominican Republic. In fact, what he does is, is all the trips that happen with compassion that go to the Dominican, he makes sure that those trips happen, they have a good time, they have translators, all that stuff. And so he was kind of in and out on our trip, and we got to know each other. And then at the very end of the trip, Jonathan shared his story. And this weird thing started to happen to me. The only way that I could explain it is that my eyes started leaking water. It was really weird. That God had used his story in such a way to really impact my life. I would say up until that point last spring that I knew, I knew that the kids that are, you know, on my refrigerator were more than postcards that we were helping support, that they were real kids. But for the first time in my heart, I realized, I realized that they were more than postcards, but these were kids just like my own kids, with passions and dreams and aspirations and hopes and desires for their life. And that compassion was coming alongside and helping them with opportunity because of people who are generous like me and like you. And so out of that trip, I realized that I needed to do two things. First off, that we needed to go forward with this church in Guatemala, and we needed to be the support. And so with our commitment, uh, Compassion started laying the groundwork. And in September, they launched that church with that center. Here's a picture of their first day. Here's all the kids uh, that are doing and at that center. Super cool. This Christmas, uh, part of our Christmas Eve offering was to raise the money so that we could fulfill the commitment to compassion on this. And because of your amazing generosity, we raised the $33,000 needed uh, to make this church a reality. And so it's happening. And, and today, you're going to have an opportunity. This is really cool. When you leave in the lobby today, you're going to have an opportunity to support the very kids that, you're, that you just saw on the screen, that we have first chance to sponsor those kids in the church and the center that we just launched. And so I knew that we needed to do that church. The second thing that I knew coming out of that trip is that every person at Crossroads Church needed to hear Jonathan's story. And so during all of this, I reached out to my friends at Compassion, and I said, hey, as we begin to celebrate what we're doing in Guatemala, what's the chances that Jonathan could come and speak at Crossroads Church? They made it happen, and so would you please warmly welcome Jonathan Almonte here today. Amen. Jonathan's going to share his story, and, um, and man, you're going to be moved by it. You're really going to be touched. So I'm just going to hand it over to you and do Thank your thing, you, man. Pastor. It's truly a joy, church, to be here. Um, I was joking with my wife that I really respect you, and I'm referring to the weather. We, I feel like I'm living in the refrigerator of my house. <laughs> uh, because in the DR, we have two seasons, uh, summer and summer. So it's 95 Fahrenheit the whole year, and then in December... All the way through February, we get like 80, 85. That's, that's the lowest we get. And you will make fun of us because you see people like you with code and, and, and all of that. And it doesn't make sense. But this is freezing for us. So my respect for you. <laughs> to understand uh, my story, we need to go back to my grandparents' um, uh, reality. We, our family come from a witchcraft background. Uh, back when the colonizers came to, to the island, they basically forced people to be Christians. And 
they brought slaves from Africa, but we also have native, and then syncretism happened. And syncretism is this combination of Christian faith with all their belief all together, and sadly, people end up believing they were worshiping God when in, in true, they're worshiping demons. And that was the case of my grandparents who both were witchcraft priests. And so people will go to my grandparents' house to basically read their hands, know their future. If people were sick, to get some crazy shower, uh, which was very scary for me growing up in that environment. And that's how everything started for me. Uh, in this context of demonic activity, there was abuse, all kinds of abuse. And, and, and sadly, my mother was abused by an uncle. And because my, grandpa, my grandparents didn't believe she ran away and ended up homeless, uh, living in the streets. But she found this restaurant where she uh, basically worked 24 hours and slept in the back of the restaurant uh, in her resting time in the table. That's how she met my father, who happens to be attending this restaurant, I think, on Saturdays. And uh, as David in the Bible was born in sin, I was because my mother did never get married with my father. She eventually realized he was married and had four daughters when she was pregnant. So things just complicated more and more. And now my father, there's no way he wanted to have a son out of his marriage, which he considered a bastard. And therefore he asked her to abort. Thanks God she didn't do it. And my father, as a punishment back, uh, he didn't name me after him until I was five. I have something called late birth certificate um, because I got my name and last name when I was five. And that was a revenge, again, from my father to my mom. A single mom couldn't name a child on her own back in the 90s in the DR. Now they can. In fact, in the DR, we have 89 up to 93% of single mothers giving birth every year. So we're facing a fatherless situation in, in the Dominican Republic, and that was my case. So from the very beginning uh, that I have memory, I've, I was working in the streets. I was uh, looking for plastic in a domsite area, being a diver, um, looking for iron and plastic to recycle, and at least to, in a week, get a piece of bread. I got used to be hunger, and I never realized, like, if you don't eat for days, your blood sugar come down. And so I remember going to school that every time I was approaching, somehow my body started to shake, I started to feel weak, and I was feeling the same cold that I'm feeling right now, but in the 95 Fahrenheit weather with 80% humidity which today in the lobby, I realized why my throat is so dry. And so anyway, so didn't make sense why you are feeling all these things in, in this context. And then every time at school, they gave me a cookie. And then suddenly I'm back again. I never realized if you don't eat for days, your body reacts to that and then your, sugar, your, your, your blood sugar come down. And in this reality, I do remember the way I went to school was because a neighbor lent me his uniform, which I didn't know. He was a sponsored child with compassion in this local church in our community. 
But he has a brand new uniform, and I didn't. And so his family lent me the uniform to go to school in the morning, run back at noon, gave his uniform so he could go back to school in the afternoon. And my shoes were broken. I had to take cardboard because they had holes down, and so I put it inside. Or you say, talky shoes when they flip-flop. We say hungry shoes, and I, mine were both hungry and talky at the same time because it was like just crying and, or screaming, screaming shoes. And so in this reality, my mother always sent me to school, even though the poverty was so evident and I was ashamed of the reality, she knew education was the way out. And one of the genius idea of my mom was to, uh, I had calcium failure because my mother didn't have any prenatal care when she was pregnant, she was homeless. And so my teeth while growing up were very weak and they almost fall down. And so when she realized that, she, we, we couldn't pay a doctor nor a dentist. And so she did this amazing agreement with the professor in a university for students to practice for free in my mouth, I could get the dental care, and they will have a real mouth to practice. So use room like this one in this public university, 20 students, I, they will put me a forced jacket, tie me to a bed, an open metal machine. I know I'm describing a trauma. By the way, if there is a dentist here, I don't hate you anymore, <laughs> but I used to. And so, and, uh, and, and that was the way my mom could provide. And I think now as genius, I hated her as well back then uh, because I spent seven years attending this university for students to practice in my mouth. And for you wondering, these are real teeth. Let me clarify. <laughs> Thanks, God. And so in the midst of this reality, I didn't understand poverty. I... I, I deal with the shame of the reality we were going through, but I never understood what poverty was. And thanks God, we knew about this local church. We didn't know because they didn't have any compassion branding or anything, but it was a local church serving children through the week, like a sun, Sunday school, but through the week with some other elements like medical attention, uh, school supplies, food, and I needed all of that. And therefore, after two weeks, just like the kids in the picture, they signed me up and um, got into the church, received all the support, but I didn't have the sponsor until one day I was announced that I got a sponsor. And that was a huge blessing, even though I didn't understand what that meant. But then I got the letters. And I would like to share with you some of the letters that my sponsor shared with me. I have here uh, 14 years of letter writing back and forth with Jamie, my sponsor. And so I would like to share with you some of her letters. Uh, she was an expert on writing very small notes, letters to a child. Uh, there's this letter where she says, good, af good afternoon, Jonathan. I wanted to send you a little note to let you know that I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. It is getting warm up here in Michigan. I, I can read everything. But then she always signed or mentioned love, Jamie Boilema. End of the message. That was weird. But the good thing is, uh, so my relationship with my father was a broken relationship. We met once a month for five minutes in different places. It was, it was an FBI relationship. 
every time, different places, didn't make sense why, but that was the case. And in that process, um, my father had never told me that he loved me or anything like that. Uh, and not even that he was thinking about me. It was more a transactional kind of relationship. Well, hi, dad, I ask his blessing, that'll be all. But then this woman from warming up Michigan, which was very weird, I was like, if it's warmer than the VR, that's bad. <laughs> I didn't understand, as a child, doesn't understand geography. And then, but the thing is, I wanted to send you a little note to let you know I was thinking about you. My father has never tell that, that he was thinking about me. And yet Jamie from warming up Michigan mentioned that. Uh, this letter is very important because of the love of God put out into me. And then love, Jamie, that's, that's key. My mother, she had blood coming out of her nose through Nikes. And then later I understood, like as a teenager, that she was dealing with a lot of stress of not being able to feed or in the environment. I grew up in a ghetto, drugs, prostitution, human traffic. And just she was dealing with all this stress and she was bleeding through the nose. And I thought she would die. But it, it, she's my hero. But she never told me that she loved me. I now understand she didn't have the time to think about love or hugging or she was just trying to survive. But Jamie mentioned love every letter. Then in this letter she says, hello Jonathan, happy 15th birthday. I hope you had a very enjoyable birthday. One of the greatest blessings in the church is they celebrate birthday for every child, every time. And so in the church, I will have a cake and ice cream and a lot of sugar that I needed. And it was, if there are kids here, don't pay attention to that. But uh, I, to get a pizza, that was once a year in the church. Or to even have ice cream or a cake, that was luxurious. We, I do remember when I heard people eating McDonald's, that was like the nicest place to eat. Can you imagine that? And, um, but that was the reality of poverty. If you pay attention to the sixth line, she says, that's very funny, keep on preaching. I was 15 and the church made the mistake to give me the mic to preach, like maybe they did today. You will realize. So I had a very bad theology. I put Jesus in the womb of the fish and Jonah in the cross. <laughs> and, but the, the good thing is, though, you will smile about that, is that children got saved that day. So I hope that counts. <laughs> and then she says, that is wonderful. <laughs> so sponsors have to be careful in what they say children should do. But again, love, Jamie. Um, she sent this letter after a massive hurricane, two weeks into water in the small shack where we live. My father didn't know about me, and Jamie, as she says here, greeting Jonathan from the state of Michigan in the United States, how are you doing? And then she asks in the third line, did the hurricane affect you at all? And this is really important because it's this woman from far away sending these encouraging letters that I needed because of the lack of emotional affection that I was going through. Even though in the church I got the school supplies, the shoes, the food, the medical support, I was then able to switch from the horrific student dentist uh, practice to a private clinic because Compassion paid for that. That was a blessing. I met Christ when I was 12 years old and then 
um, I was introduced to my father's family. I, two of his brothers came one day to my ghetto, took me to a meeting with the whole family, met my grandparents, my father's wife, his four daughters, and nobody knew that I existed. And then it makes sense why we met five minutes in different places every time. He was hitting the, the road for some, for some reason. And then everybody's excited, but I'm afraid. And so I never talked to my father. A year passed, and in a conversation in one of these spots that we met, he told me, neither you or my brothers have the permission to get involved in my life. You have to understand you're a mistake in my life. And so here is where poverty became real to me. At Compassion, we see this dimension of poverty that goes beyond just material need. We see it as a spiritual. There is a spiritual poverty. There is emotional poverty. And for me, that was the worst poverty because nobody gave me a menu to be born where I was born. I was just born. And here I am in this broken world, in this broken reality, and then my father hates me. And in that moment, I struggled in my faith, to be honest. In the church, they kept saying since I was seven years old when I got into the program that God loved me, that God has a great plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, John 3, 16. All of that was great wording, but my father hates me. How? God is a good God, and he has allowed me to go all, of, all of, through this situation. Jamie sent this letter in the middle of this reality. Greeting Jonathan from Michigan. At, the, at this point, you can tell she's very proud about Michigan. <laughs> she mentions Michigan in every letter. We receive our first dosing of snow today on Thanksgiving. Today is a great day to reflect on all the things that I am thankful for, and you are one of those that I am greatly thankful for. It is because of Jesus' birth that we can have hope and assurance of eternal life after death. Please wish your family happy holiday season, and may you also have a very blessed holiday. Then Luke 2.11, and today in the town of David, Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In Christ's love, Jamie. So two things in the letter that really impacted me was one, uh, no idea what Thanksgiving was, even though I love turkey and I wish we could have Thanksgiving. But she explained, she says, on Thanksgiving, Americans are thankful about things, about the, the blessings from God. And these women from... Michigan is thankful about me. Even though my father said that he that it was a mistake, God provided a sponsor overseas, but a local church in my community, a community that led me to Christ. And that's the second point that she mentioned here. My hope and assurance never came from my earthly father. My hope and assurance, not for today, but for eternity, come from the finished work of Jesus in the cross. And this is how this letter became a discipleship opportunity for me to understand Ephesians 2 all the way 1 through 6 in a conversation with one of my tutors because they, they gave me the letter. They know. They read it with us. He took me to Ephesians 2, and then he asked me about my father. And he, I was crying, and of course I was mad. And then he said, Jonathan... You were dead in your trespasses. You, you were far away from grace. You, 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 you deserve the wrath of God. And yet, God gave himself in the cross. And through his resurrection, you're, you're, you have become new creation. You have been forgiven. You have been brought near because of the blood of Jesus. 
who are you not to forgive your father if you have been forgiven? And that's when I understood, even though, again, God didn't provide a father. He provided a community. He provided the gospel. And it was crystal clear for me that I needed to forgive my father. Trembling and crying, I called him and said, Dad, I'm sorry to be a mistake in your life, but you have to admit that I'm the best mistake you have ever made. <laughs> and he was crying. I was crying. And, and God restored our relationship. We have now a very good relationship. God opened doors through the Compassion Center. Like these kids, I got the chance to study English. Don't blame my English, please. I had a Haitian professor, a Dominican, and a Russian professor. So you don't want to know all the accents that I have been to deal with. Uh, but I'm glad because otherwise I wouldn't be able to communicate. And so that's why my major at the university was in linguistics applying English. So that was through the Ministry of Compassion. Now I have the the joy to share this news of you, uh, to you, and I would like you to meet Jamie. Um, Jamie is a hero in my life. She's a mother of four. She's in her, in her 40s. And, but back then, she was 26, uh, and she told me she was struggling financially. She wanted to go back to university, wanted to buy a car, and thanks God, I'm more important than a car because she sponsored me that day. <laughs> Uh, but she said it that way, like, oh, and then came compassion. I had all these plans and then the compassion thing. And I told her, oh, I'm so grateful uh, you did it. And then she said, I never imagined that a mom, a simple mom, will make such an impact in someone's life. And here's my point with my story and what I have shared with you. Uh, out there, there is a table and there are packages of children as Pastor Matt explained, these are children from a specific local church that you have funded to have a venue and to have the equipment and everything needed to bring these children in. But these children need a sponsor uh, for two reasons, for the funding uh, of the medical support they need, the food they need, the school supplies they need, just like me. But most importantly, I believe the relationship that you as mature Christians can lead them to Christ through this relationship and through the letters. I love to say, and I know I'm a bad theologian, but I love to say, considering my teenage story, but I love to say 30% of the New Testaments are letters. I don't know if you have realized that. And so the reason I keep these letters is because I go back and I can read all the brokenness I was going through and yet the plan of God. And now I understand what God was doing. He had a plan for me. And now I can speak on behalf of these children in need. So my hope, my prayer is as we wrap up here, so you can go out, prayfully consider, sponsor a child. But thinking in these, my greatest need wasn't shoes, clothes, or anything of that. My greatest need was Jesus. I needed that to be where I am right now, restored and released from poverty. But I needed Christ. One of my greatest joy, besides serving 243 churches in poverty in the DR, serving 66,000 children in need, um, that's not my greatest joy. My greatest joy now is to be a husband. And I have one wife, and people laugh about that. Making, making my wife happy is very hard, so I can't imagine two wives. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we have two sons, and, and here's the thing. Because of the ministry of compassion, God not only restored me 
over my life. He gave me the chance now to be a father, to be faithful to a, to a woman, to, to be a father myself. And while I was attending the center, my mother became a professor. Took her 10 years. But because compassion was providing through the church, men. Jamie supporting this local church. He was providing two meals a day. My mother was able to release and go to university, and, and, and now she's not in poverty anymore. My grandparents, remember, the witchcraft priests die as worshipers of Jesus and no worshipers of demons because my mother shared the gospel with them. So, again, I, I prayfully want you to consider these not as a transactional opportunity, but as an opportunity to make a child in need, a disciple of Jesus. That's my invitation for you, for every child here in Guatemala. At the end of the service and the worship and communion, I will be outside in the table. I would love to see you, answer questions, help you understand how this is beyond just sending food and money to a child, but more about supernatural discipleship for children in need of Jesus. God bless you. Jonathan's a great guy. He has an amazing story of one person, right, in Michigan and making uh, uh, $43 a month and how it impacted his life because not just because of food and medicine, but because the gospel was shared with him and set him on a different trajectory, a different course in his life. And today, um, as you leave, as Jonathan said, you have the opportunity to do the same thing. That out in the lobby, we have all of the kids from that local center that we just started. And in each, uh, what you'll see out there is children's packets. And in each packet is one child. And you can go out there if you're interested today. And you can look at the children that are available to be sponsored. Like I said, it's $43 a month, and through your sponsorship, not only are you helping the child, but you're helping the whole entire family, food, medicine, education, and so forth in that, as well as through a local church. And so um, part of what I love is that Crossroads isn't going to get any of the credit for any of this in Guatemala, uh, that the local church there is going to get all the credit for what they're doing with the kids and showing God's glory in that way. And so um, you can be a part of that today. Now, if you do, if God's moving in that way, and you take a packet, just a couple of logistical things for you. Um, one, uh, don't walk out with a packet and don't sponsor the kid, all right? That kid just goes missing and then we have to figure out why that kid went missing, all right? So only take a packet if you plan on sponsoring that child. On the packet, on the front, is a QR code. And you can simply just do the QR code and it'll take you to a link that you can fill out and basically... Um, begin your sponsorship of that kid. If you're more of a paper and a pencil person, just turn it over. And on the back is a way for you to fill out a form that also uh, will be sponsored. There's a lot of people out there to help you with that. And um, one last thing, if you do the QR code, just on the back, put your name so we know who that person went with, okay? So that's the way that you can get involved in Compassion today. Um, really cool and exciting just to see the way that God is moving. And so as we kind of wrap up this part of worship today, one of the things that I asked Jonathan is if he would leave a, lead us in communion. And so I'm going to invite him back out. I'm going to pray for us, and then he's going to lead us in communion together. Father, man, I'm so grateful for just the way that you're moving in this church. Lord, the way that you are uh, touching lives, the way that you are um, bringing hope and opportunity into lives because of the generosity of this church. 
Lord, so many of us I know over the last several years have come alongside and begin to sponsor children, uh, children who in, in many ways have very similar stories to Jonathan, growing up in poverty and because of the love from someone that they may never even meet, that they, that they were able to be lifted from that poverty, given the hope that only you can provide. And so, Father, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the opportunity that you give us. God, I'm thankful for Jonathan's willingness to um, travel from the warm Caribbean to here in Colorado and experience snow and uh, all that comes with that. Lord, I pray a blessing on his life and on his family. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. As we reflect on, I hope, not in my story, but in the redemption that God provides to all of us, um, Here's my prayer. Um, for us to understand that God came and became poor. He really amazed me how God in his throne, in all of his glory, became poor so we can become rich. He, he came to the womb of a sinful woman and, and, and by being raised by two sinful parents, being weak and grew up in poverty, and yet, through his redemption, through his death in the cross and his resurrection, now we can have eternal life. So the end of the story is what I love the most. As we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus, in, in some way we're reflecting on what's going to happen at the end. With, with us as followers of Jesus, but also with the children in this local church in Guatemala and worldwide. This is the end of the story. Revelation chapter 7, um, verses 9 says, After these, this is John describing the vision. After this, I look, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And that includes these children from Guatemala. That includes you. That includes children from my country, from Africa, from Asia which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white and palm branches in their hands, and they cry out in loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is sitting on the throne and to the Lamb. And as we reflect in these, I would, would like to invite you to take the bread, reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus and his redemption for you and me. We also take the call, remembering and savoring and with thankfulness, we know we will be redeemed. We, we will receive a new body because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And in his blood that has cleaned us, as Ephesians 2 says, we were one day far away, but we were brought near. May the Lord help us to reflect in, this, in his sacrifice and his second coming because he's coming back. Let's take the cup reflecting on his death and his resurrection. Amen. God bless you, church. As we continue in our worship, if you're in need in prayer today, maybe you have a sponsored child and you've been moved to pray for that child. Maybe you have something going on in your own life that you need prayer for. Maybe you're just looking for a blessing. We'd love to pray with you. In-house, you can make your way to the banner. Online, you can click the button and, and we'll, we'll meet you there. We're going to continue in our worship and our celebration today 
by singing about the sweet name of Jesus, our Savior. So I'm going to invite everyone in-house to go ahead and stand as we lift our voices together. Amen.